is good to be back, even if it's only online, but it's great to be uh, with you this morning. Uh, we are in this series on miracles, and uh, as you heard uh, last week, uh, we learned about Jesus um, having power over nature. And over these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, Jesus and, and his power. You know, two weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit, but uh, the power of God uh, manifest through Holy Spirit, but through the miracles of Jesus. How do you deal with that? Um, are you okay with that? Uh, many of us are logical, and we feel like um, we, we want to know that two plus two equals four. Of course it does, uh, but we know uh, that the Bible uh, calls us out to uh, have bigger categories than just logic. Uh, as John Calvin would say, one of our fathers in the faith, he would say, you know, you need to put on the spectacles of Scripture. And so I want you to think about that in, in prep for um, this, uh, this passage this morning. So this is Mark uh, chapter 5. They went across the lake <clears throat> to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones." They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And so as, we, as we're looking through this, we know the region of the Gerasenes is where Gentiles lived. Um, and Jesus was not uh, talking just about uh, the, the, Gent- or the, the Hebrews. He's talking more about the, uh, the Gentiles here. And so verse 2, it says, Here comes a man with an impure spirit. And I want you to look at this um, on the screen. Um, this Greek word, these two Greek words, it's pneumati, and it is um, akatharto. And that means the spirit, and um, it means the spirit, pneumati, and an uncleansed, uh, an uncleansed spirit. So katharto is like a catharsis, like a cleansing. But the a, the a there in the Greek means it's not. And so... When you think about someone with an uncleansed spirit, I know many of us will try to explain this away, logically. And we will say things like, you know what, um, here's, a, here's an explanation for this, uh, even though it may not be in the scriptures. It's a medical condition where uh, there, there is this chemical imbalance. That could be one explanation. If you would see somebody who just, just doesn't look right and, and you're experiencing them and, and dealing with them kind of like Jesus did, you thought, okay, well, maybe there's a medical issue here. Um, that, that explains the weird behavior. Another explanation that we know could just be psychological stress. Um, and so what you're going to need to do with that guy or that girl is to have them talk it out and kind of accept what they can't control. Uh, the stress maybe of, of, you know, even thinking of being in the house so much lately, or the stress of dealing with maybe of your family's past, um, that you, you feel the weight of that. We know many people deal with that. And so uh, what, what some people would look at this guy and say, you know what, he is just psychologically stressed, 
Um, that's what I think is happening here, even though the Bible may not talk about it uh, as we're trying to understand what's going on here. Uh, another explanation for this might be a, a moral issue. Here's a guy that's acting out in some weird way because, you know what, he's maybe done something sinful. And we know that the cure for, for that um, would be conviction. Uh, he, he would be convicted or she would be convicted and he would or she would repent. And so, you know, we have these understandings in the world and many times we remove them from the Bible. But he, here's what's interesting. Um, when you really look at what's going on here, you go to the Gospel of Matthew and note how the Bible talks about people who struggle. It says in Matthew four twenty four, news about him, Jesus, spread all over Syria and people brought to Jesus all who were ill with various diseases, a medical condition, those suffering severe pain, maybe a psychological condition, um, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And you know what? He healed them. Some of us would read this and say, really, Frank? I mean, okay, a, a uncleansed spirit, that's a medical, psychological, or a moral issue. No, the Bible has categories for those. We know that. What we see here is, is what? It's a demon. It's demonic possession. Does your faith have um, a category for this? Because here's what we know. Evil or darkness um, affects us at all kinds of level. Be it a medical condition, that is darkness. That's evil. How, do we, how can we say that that's evil? We can say it because here's what we know. When sin came into the world, that causes disease. That caused disease. If sin wouldn't have come in the world, there, there would be no, um, obviously no uh, uh, struggle or corruption. But when sin came in, a disease came in, and we know death came in. And so we have, um, we see how uh, darkness or evil is multi-layered. And it will come in sometimes through moral issues. It will come in sometimes through psychological stress. It will come in sometimes with medical conditions. And that's in the material world. world. And some of us are very, um, we're okay with that. Okay. But what happens when all of a sudden we get this story and we're now talking about an immaterial world? We're talking about demonic possession. So when you understand and you think about evil and you think about darkness, we cannot be myopic in our understanding of it or simplistic. Here's what we know all throughout Scripture, and this is kind of a general point I want to I kind of yank out of this passage, is that darkness is complicated. I think any evil or sin or hurt that you've dealt with, you know. You know, maybe there are multiple layers, right? Multiple layers that you're dealing with. And, and we know that maybe even a medical condition, um, Satan can say, you know what, I'm going to take that medical, medical condition, that person who's by themselves in a hospital with the coronavirus, who's dealing with, you know, this, some chemical imbalance or, you know, some real medical issue. And what we know here is, you know, there's a spiritual immaterial world that will come and affect that. Or maybe, what, a, a demon, the devil himself, will take your past 
And you're still struggling with that, but he'll kind of throw fire on that or throw um, gasoline on that fire and say, that's right, here's what you are. You're, you are what your dad said you were going to be. And so what many of us like to do is we have to say, ah, it's just a medical issue or it's a psychological issue or it's a moral issue. Well, all of those issues are within the scriptures and evil uh, is all about all of those different dynamics. But here's what we know. You have to put in a supernatural category of the demonic. And the question is, is what, do, what does Jesus do with this? I mean, what does it look like? Darkness is complicated, but the more we read here, the more you realize, wow, uh, there are different layers. But look at verse 3 here. It said, this man lived in the tombs. And then, you know, here we find out that it says, and no one could bind him anymore. No one could bind him anymore. Well, the implication being they could have before. What's the implication? The implication is that, hey, it obviously this darkness or this evil grew. Jesus is dealing with the demonic here. He's dealing with sin and evil, but in, in particular, he's dealing with, you know, kind of the demonic part here. But when you think about generally, you think about evil, when, when this passage says it couldn't bind him anymore, what do you do with that? Because I think a lot of people, um, when you decide that I'm going to enter into sin, and maybe you sin morally, and you kind of make this pact, like, you know what, I am going to give up this part of me. I'm going to give up this part of me to get this. So um, we've been watching a lot. We have this Disney Plus, you know, and you, you can watch all these Avenger movies, but you can watch these old Disney movies. And uh, so I'm trying to, you know, keep walking on the treadmill. And, uh, you know, I was watching a uh, very, very powerful 45-year-old man to watch uh, The Little Mermaid. Watch that again. And... Uh, you know, you see this point in the movie where this kind of this sea witch, Ursula, is talking with Ariel. And here's the pact that they're about to make. She says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me your voice. I'll give you legs. I'll let you walk like a woman. And Ariel wants, what does she want? She is sold out for what? She is sold out to get married to this prince. And Ursula takes her voice. And there's this pact that's being made. But what, what you realize, though, is Ariel, part of her identity is her voice. And she is willing to what? She is willing to deal with this evil here, this sea witch, and say, you know what I'll do? I'll make a pact with you. I'll give up my voice. Because here's what I know. I want my identity to be in this. Just true love over here. I'm selling everything for it. And evil begins to win. And darkness begins to move in our lives. And we've seen this with so many different, um, I, I know many of us have seen this in, in so many different dynamics of our lives. But we have to address it. We have to be honest that it is there and that we're willing to give up parts of our identity. You know, lots of dads and moms don't want to talk about this, but it's true, and we need to teach our kids this stuff. That darkness is complicated, and darkness truly exists. I, I love what Scott Simon, a journalist uh, with uh, NPR, had always tried to avoid using kind of the words evil or darkness with his daughters. But in April of 2017, 
there was a news report that went out and it showed the effects of chemical warfare on these people in Syria. And it showed kids and what chemical warfare did to their bodies and their faces. And here's what he writes about, about kind of entering into this with his daughter. He says this, We watched in silence. I've covered a lot of wars, but could think of nothing to say to make any sense. Finally, one of our daughters asked, Why would anyone do that? He says, I still avoid saying evil as a reporter, but as a parent. I've grown to feel it may be important to tell children about evil. As we struggle to explain cruel and incomprehensible behavior, they may uh, see not just in history, but actually in our own times. I've interviewed Romeo Dallaire, commanded UN peacekeeping forces in Rwanda in 1993 and 1994, where more than 800,000 Rwandans were slaughtered over three months. Dallaire said that what happened made him believe in evil. And even a force he called the devil. He says, I've negotiated with him, the devil. He told us, shaken his hand. Yes, there is no doubt in my mind. And the expression of evil to me is through the devil and the devil at work um, and possessing human beings and turning them into machines of destruction. And one of the evenings in my office, I was looking out the window and my senses felt that something was there with me that shifted me. I think that evil and good are playing themselves out and God is monitoring and looking at how we respond to it. I love that because it speaks to what's happening here. Jesus is confronting evil. There are powers, too. Power for good, light, and there's darkness here. And what do we learn even more? That it's not only there, but it says no one could bind him anymore. You know what we learn here? Is that darkness is often gradual. Think about it. Um, I was passionate. And then I became zealous. And then, somewhere along the line, I turned into a tyrant. And now, I terrorize people. You know, over time. I, I, I wanted, my, my, my first condo I was happy with, but then I wanted more. Uh, a 3-2, 1,900 square foot house just didn't have the same. And incrementally over the years, I wanted more and a nicer car. And I kept thinking about the promotion and everything incrementally, gradually couldn't bind you anymore. People couldn't talk to you anymore. The words of your brothers or your sisters or your good friends, they just didn't have the same, its same power because what? Because darkness, it can be gradual. I, I, I started to like food more than I, I realized I should have, and then I started to eat more and more. And I just saw a picture of myself. And 100 pounds later, I realized I'm in a relationship with food. I didn't realize that my whole body image took over my life, but incrementally, when I was 18 years old and I threw up for the first time after that big meal, I realized something changed, and I made a pact and Jesus is confronting that darkness. It's in our world. It's supernatural. It's immaterial, but it's in our world. I thought I would just be a guy who was thankful to be married so I could have a good relationship with my wife, and I enjoyed sex. But you know what happened? Incrementally, 
I started looking at things I shouldn't have. And then I, my appetites and desires grew. And now I'm saying things and wanting things in my life that are completely out of control. There are no boundaries. I have turned into somebody that I never thought. What is Jesus going to do with this evil? What is Jesus going to do with this darkness? What do you do when you're confronted with your own darkness? How are we going to um, defeat this? Well, here, here are the last... Um, well, we're just going to read to, I think, verse 20. When he saw Jesus, here's the man, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Anytime you see, um, anytime you see uh, someone involved in kind of demon possession or someone in, in kind of an exorcism, uh, you always have that person calling for a higher power. You always see it. And here is Jesus. And even, you know, legion, the, you know, this, this demon, the, the, these demons inside of him are begging, what? They're, they're calling out, hey, look, we're calling out to a higher power. And you look at Jesus, and what does he say to evil? What does he say to darkness? What does he say to this power? He just says simply, come out. He is the higher power. Jesus is saying to you and to me, I am the power. I am the one who is in control. You, you always, what? You always defer to me. I will win. You have to trust me, Jesus says. It may not come, his power may not come the way you want it. But look, even the demons are asking Jesus' permission to move, to get out, to not be, you know, to not leave the area. I mean, do you believe Jesus has this type of power? Jesus is the power. And then when he confronts the evil, what do we see? 2,000 pigs, right? 2,000 pigs are infested with these demons and then they jump off, right? They jump off this, this ledge into this body of water and they were drowned. Verse 14, it says this, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid let me just point out this 2,000 pigs is a lot of money that's a lot of bacon let me tell you that but it's a lot of money in the first century they weren't you know some you know people would be worried about you know the death of these pigs but for the 
first century mind, it was, oh my goodness, this is, this is my bank account. This is all I have. And Jesus is saying to all of us, remember this. 2,000 pigs, right? All of that money pales in comparison to what? You have a man who's in his right mind. You have a man who's sitting, not wandering around, yelling. You have someone for the very first time in a very long while who experiences peace. This man is saved. And what Jesus is saying is, please remember that over money comes salvation. Over, you know, uh, don't worry about your stuff. Here's what I value. My power has come to what? To show you that I value humans. I value those that are made in my image and the salvation that I have come to bring. And my power, that's what it's used for. And so Jesus is showing his power over darkness, over evil. And those who were exposed to this and observed it, they they said, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And they didn't know what to do with it. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. You know, he, Jesus pulls the demons, right? He pulls the demons from the man and puts them in a pig, puts them in, in all these pigs. And when they're seeing this transformation happen, they couldn't deal with it. They, they didn't want to deal with this type of power that I'm sure felt very dangerous to them. So no, 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 no. I don't have a category for this. And maybe there are some of you out there, you read a story like this and say, no, no, I don't want to mess with this. I just want to say to you, it's here. This isn't made up. This isn't some gambit. This is not some ruse. This is the power of God that is here in this world. This happened in time and space, and we have to deal with this type of power. And what Jesus wants us to understand is, I have come to what? I have come to use my power to heal what? To heal the Gentile. I'm coming for those that aren't even my people per se, not a Hebrew. This is a Gentile on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. These aren't, quote, my people. I have come to use my power to heal you. That's why he's come. And some of you are fearful of this power. And Jesus is saying, look, I know that my power might overwhelm you, but I'm good. And I've come to seek and to save you. Some of you need to hear that. Instead of kind of casting this off as another fairy, you know, Christian fairy tale, what if you were to really, let, let, me, let me believe this actually happened. And what are the implications for my life? What are the implications for the darkness in my life that I know I want out of my life, but I have no idea how to get it out of my life? What you have right here is the power of God the life-transforming power of Jesus saying, I am higher than any darkness that's inside of you. What happens here? Verse 18, the very last few verses. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And obviously this guy wants to just worship Jesus. But Jesus reminds us all, Jesus did not let him but said, look, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, Decapolis meaning 10-town area, Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You know, when you really look at what happened to this man, when you really understand uh, what Jesus did, uh, Jesus went into the, into, into the realm uh, of this demon-possessed man and he healed him. And, and when, he, when it was all done, this man was clothed and he was right. But when you really look um, at what Jesus came to do, ironically, you can look at this, uh, this passage in contrast to what happens at the end of the gospel. Because at the end of the book of Mark, what do we see? Jesus exchanged places with this man. The end of the book of Mark, Jesus is the one who's naked. And he's stripped of his clothes and he looks crazy. At the end of the book, Jesus looks like this guy and he's bleeding and he's crying out. At the end of the book of Mark, here Jesus is what? Driven not into the tomb, but into the tomb. See, Jesus becomes this man. He takes on the evil. Not only does he show us that he has power over it, but he takes on all of it for us. Because think about this. When Jesus decided, no, you know what? I'm going to go to the very tomb to destroy death and destroy evil. In this moment, if he had taken out his sword, he could have said, you know what? Um, I'm just going to begin to kill Romans, you know? Like, like I'm, I'm just going to begin to kill anybody that, um, you know, is, is uh, an, an enemy of God, per se, kind of externally. And I'm going to drive them into the sea. What would have happened? Yeah, maybe Rome would have, would have been hurt. And maybe there had been some liberation for a few people, maybe for a few years. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to do something way more than you can possibly imagine. I'm going to absorb evil and injustice. This little microcosm in this man, I am going to swallow it. And sin and death into me. And I'm going to die on the cross to pay, what? For your sins. So that what? One day Jesus could wipe out evil without what? Wiping you and me out. That's the gift. That's what all of this story points to is that Jesus becomes this man for us, but he defeats the evil where? Inside the man. That's what he came to do. So when you understand what it cost him to defeat evil, so that he could destroy evil ultimately, so he could heal you and me, when you understand what it cost him, so he can come into your life, what? Despite all the things I've done wrong and you've done wrong when you see the cost that he paid, when you see him being willing to be naked and to, dr- to be driven into that tomb for you and for me, you know what it shows you? He loves you. He is sold out for you. You are of infinite value to him. He came for a possessed Gentile. That's how much he loves the world. You don't have to look around at your career, and you don't have to look at your family or how much money you have and say, I need that in order to, to be somebody. It's seeing that a man, Jesus, the God-man, paid an infinite cost for you so that what? Evil is ultimately defeated in your life. That's our value. That's our identity. You know what? 
We hear all of this. You know, 35 million people uh, have lost jobs. And that is not good, obviously. It's hard. But, you know, and, and, you know, I know it can be tough being quarantined in our homes. But our value is not in that. Our value is not in our job or the way we look. Our value is in what Jesus did for us. That he would cry out, that he would bleed for us, that he would be stripped naked. That ultimately is where our value is. And when you can understand that and you can say truly inside of you, I am loved and I'm delighted in, then you begin to understand the gift of Jesus. And you know what you do when you say, I am loved and I'm delighted in by Jesus? Here's what you do. You break the oath that you made with the other thing. You break the covenant. You break the pact that maybe you made with money or with food or with sex or with that drug or with alcohol. And the incremental you know, growth of evil in your life or in my life or in darkness, you realize what? You can say, you know what, it's not, or you can say it is over. I will not glory in these things anymore. I will glory in what? In how God has changed me internally. That's what we need to understand when you understand that darkness is an internal issue and that's what he came to change. That's what he did to this man. But instead, many of us say, you know what? There's the evil and I'm good, right? The evil's outside and, and I'm good, right? All those Democrats are the evil problem. They're a bunch of lazy Democrats or they're a bunch of the greedy Republicans over here. They're the problem. And what Jesus is saying, stop pointing out that way. Here's the problem in here, in you, Frank. This is where the gospel starts. And when you understand that, when you understand um, what he has done for you, you know what you can do? You can stop being sucked into cycles of retaliation and violence that's going on in the world. And like Paul says in Romans 12, he says this, never repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. Look how messed up this guy was. Look how broken he was. And Jesus Christ does what? Sends him back to his own town to his own land, to his own people, and says, you know, you be my agent. Yeah, demon-possessed man. You, who are completely transformed, you be my agent. You know what this should do? This should give us a ton of hope. This is the power of Jesus. That what? That, that is a gift to us as the church. And you know what? We, we are called to spread this gift, this power. So not only does Jesus, what, have power over nature, as we learned last week, but we know Jesus has power, what, over the demons, over the evil and darkness that's inside of us. Where are you? Please, please make this personal and please know that all of this always points to the cross and how Jesus has forgiven us.